All right. Well, thank you, Matt, for leading us in worship. Great songs to set us up for what we're going to be looking at tonight. Let's go ahead and pray real quick, and then we'll jump on in. Sound good? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you. We praise you and thank you that you are unfailing. Your love is unfailing. Your faithfulness is unfailing. Your power knows no end. And God, it, it works in us and, and works through us all to your praise and all to your glory. And so God, we thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight, to be able to sing, to be able to uh, celebrate, adore you, to be able to hear from your word. And Father, help me as I preach your word tonight that I point people to Jesus, uh, we pray. And, and all God's people said, amen. amen. All right, well, let's go ahead and uh, turn in our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it has been a while since uh, as a church we've been in 2 Corinthians, and so uh, make your way there, and as you make your way there, uh, know that if you don't have a Bible or a Bible app, everything will be on the screen behind me, but uh, uh, for sure you're welcome to take out your Bibles and follow along. So we're almost done with 2023, what do you think about that? 2023, isn't that crazy? It's amazing. It's interesting. I'm sure probably if you were to think about it, you would be like, oh, wow, this year has been a year, right? An interesting year. Maybe at the beginning of the year, you wanted to do something new. Maybe you wanted to do something different. Maybe about this time last year, you were thinking, hey, I might like to try this this year. I might want to turn over a new leaf. Maybe I might want to... I don't know, um, learn how to make pizza. That'd be a fun thing to do. Maybe I'd like to learn how to, you know, make bread, or maybe you wanted to walk more. Maybe you wanted to do something hard. That was something for me I wanted to do this year. I wanted to do a couple things that were hard, and I was able to do them. Um, maybe uh, you really just didn't have specific plans. You were just hoping that 2023 would just maybe be better than 2022. Then also we know that God, he was doing things this year as well. He was working to conform you and me to the image of Jesus, wasn't he? That's what he promised he would do. Uh, he allowed things to come into your life. He allowed things to come into my life. He allowed you and me to make choices to either follow him or to go our own way. And we would uh, reap some of the consequences maybe that we we. Uh, we made or the things we sowed. Um, maybe we followed our heart instead of his heart. And so that brought different things to our year. Well, if you're like most people and if you're like me, when it comes to the end of the year, I begin to think and, and think back on the year. What happened? What did God bring? What choices did I make? And I like to kind of think about that. But then also, it's time to get ready for 2024, believe it or not. And so there are things we're thinking of doing, things we're hoping will happen. So about a month ago, I received a text from Mike Harding, and he sent me the scripture passage we're going to be looking at tonight. Now, every morning at 8 a.m., like clockwork, I get a text from Mike Harding, and he's going to be listening to this. Uh, in a little while. And so, Mike, I want to thank you for giving me the text for tonight's sermon. Uh, he sent me this text. I looked at it, and I said, oh, my word, that is what I want to preach about on 
uh, December 29th. So uh, pretty exciting. So I hope this passage will help us remember, will help us process 2023, and I hope it will also motivate us, propel us, launch us into 2024. Does that sound good? All right, awesome. So in order to do that, I want to kind of set the stage for 2 Corinthians. We just have to talk about 1 Corinthians and the first parts of 2 Corinthians. So we're going to do that really quick. Here's a quick introduction, just three things, okay? I've been spending some time reading 1 and 2 Corinthians. I've been listening to it in my Bible app, just going through it, trying to get this picture of what's happening here and what Paul is saying to these believers in Corinth. And these are some things that I've boiled it down to. First and Second Corinthians, they're very different from the book of Philippians. We've been spending time in Philippians. In Philippians, he's just very upbeat. Even though he's in prison, he's very upbeat. He's joyful. He's thankful for his partners in the gospel there in Philippi. He's just praising God for all the opportunities that God has given him to present the gospel to people, right? And so he has this joyful, upbeat, thankful praising God kind of feel in the book of Philippians, okay? But when you start to read 1 Corinthians and get into 2 Corinthians, um, you definitely see that Paul loved these believers from a devoted and committed heart. That's the first thing. He took seriously his call from God. In Acts, Jesus called him to take the gospel everywhere. To the Jews first, the Gentiles, and then to kings. And Paul was committed to that. And when he went to Corinth, he writes in these letters, I simply pointed you to Jesus. That's all I did. I didn't do anything flashy. I actually came in weakness. Okay? He didn't put any emphasis on himself. All of the emphasis was Jesus. In fact, he even worked a full-time job so that no one could say he was there trying to make money off the people or trying to take advantage of the people. He had his own job, took care of his, his work during the day, and then ministered to people whenever he could. Now, Paul also wanted these believers to know that God was committed to them as well. God would be faithful to them. You see that through 1 Corinthians in the beginning of 2 Corinthians. God had promised that he would bring them before Jesus spotless, pure. But we also see that Paul was willing to share some hard things with these believers. He loved them so much. So here's a list of just a few Man, he loved them so much. And he needed to share these things because he wanted them to get the spiritual life of walking with Jesus. So Paul writes, they were divided. There were factions. Some people followed Paul. Some people followed Apollos. Some people were following these flashy life coaches that were coming to church, these spiritual TEDx speakers, right? They're just kind of, all right, and they're, they're just, there's all these factions and they're dividing up into little groups. They were jealous. They were angry. They were selfish. They were slanderous. They were saying slanderous things about Paul, calling into question his apostleship calling into question his heart. I mean, it was brutal, the things that they were saying about Paul. They were gossipers. He, he, he's like, you're arrogant. 
You're overlooking sin. There was significant sin in the church. And he called it out. And he's like, you need to call this out. They were proud. They were carnal. That means they were living according to their flesh and whatever they wanted based on the flesh. They were fighting. They were impure, sexually immoral. They were eager for lustful pleasure. And I just threw this one in. Man, they were just plain struggling as a church, right? So Paul wrote these letters and he interacted with these believers. And his letters, and he even visited them a couple times, they were hard, they were tense, and they were even, you get the feeling, awkward at times. But he loved them. Paul wanted these believers to get it. He didn't want them struggling. And he was like, why are you making this so difficult? Why are you turning on me? See, he was trying to stick it out with them. He's trying to point them to Jesus. He's trying to make sure that they get it. So Paul writes 2 Corinthians, and he goes even deeper, and he begins expressing the depths of where his heart is. He says, I am in pain. I'm under pressure, and it's all for you. And he begins to try and comfort them and counsel them. He opens talking about how God is the source of his comfort, how God has comforted him. Then he uh, talks about a point in time when he and his gospel team were in Syria, when things were so bad they thought they were going to die, but God came through and rescued them. He had promised that he would go and see them, but he couldn't go, so he tried to explain to them what happened. They thought he was flaky, and he's trying to explain to them, no, 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 I just, I couldn't make it. He hadn't given up on them. So he wrote about how also glad he was that they had finally listened to his message and they had um, confronted the sin and, and how they needed to now forgive the man because he actually repented and he did what was right and he turned back to God. He talked about the new covenant in Christ and why that was so significant and important and the glory of the new covenant and how he was a minister of this new covenant and what a privilege it was. And Paul comes to this section, chapter 4, and he talks about how we have this mercy God has given us. Paul's saying, God has given this mercy to me, and because of his mercy, we do not lose heart. We're going to keep going. We're going to preach the gospel no matter what. If you believe it, great. If people are unwilling and they harden their hearts, okay, but we're going to keep preaching, and then he gets to our passage. So this is what the passage says. I'm going to call this, it's God's treasure, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 18. Let's read it. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So, death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe. And so we also speak, 
knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our, our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. That is what I I see as God's treasure, verses 7 through 18. So let's look at this. What is God's treasure? Well, here's the first thing we see. God's treasure is the light of salvation. Look at what he wrote in verse 7. Let's look at that again. He says, but we have this treasure. Okay, well, in order to see what the treasure is, we actually have to go back to verse 6. So let's go to verse 6, and this is what he says. He said, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We have this treasure in jars of clay. The treasure is the light of salvation. God shines the light of the gospel into our hearts and into our minds, and we see the glory of salvation that Jesus provided through his death, burial, and resurrection I, I, it, it's easy for me to think that Paul is maybe thinking back to when he saw Jesus on the road to Damascus, when he saw Jesus face to face, and the light just comes down, and, and Paul is blinded. He, he sees Jesus face to face, literally. He's blasted by the light of Jesus. Look at what John says about this light in John chapter 1. In him talking about the Lagos or Jesus, was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He goes on in chapter 8. He says, again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And he goes on in John 12. He says, I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. God's treasure is the light of salvation that the light of the world has provided. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And that's important. That's key to what he's going to keep saying. We have this treasure, amen? I hope you have this treasure. That's huge to this passage. So God's treasure is the light of salvation. Here's the next thing. God's treasure is placed in jars of clay. That's interesting. Let's look at verse 7 again. We have this treasure in jars of clay. So in Psalm 103, David wrote an amazing song. Let's just look at it really quick. Psalm 103, 1 through 3. It says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Doesn't that that sound like the treasure? He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. 
He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to his children and to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. God's treasure is the light of salvation, and God's treasure is placed in jars of clay. Well, why? Why in the world would you put treasure in jars of clay? Well, he gives us several reasons, I think, and let's take a look at it here. The first one is this. This shows the power of God, right? Look at verse 7. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show the, oh, surpassing. I didn't, I wasn't accurate. It's not just the, it's the surpassing power of God. It belongs to God, not to us. That's what he's showing. Look at Ephesians 1, 18. Paul prayed this, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. And I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God, the surpassing greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Then he says in Philippians 2.13, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So God put his treasure, his salvation in jars of clay Why? Well, first of all, to show his power. So as I was studying, one of the commentators I came upon says this, and it's really good. I want you to see it. He said, our weakness is part of God's strategy to display his glory and power to a watching world. We have this treasure. God puts it in our bodies, these jars of clay, these frail things, these fragile things. They fall apart easily. They waste away. I'm going to be 55 soon, in a couple days. I have no ACL in this leg. I was at the Altoona Aquatic Center and thought I was stepping into this deep of water. And I actually stepped into this deep of water. And so I went, and my leg hyperextended, and I went into the water, and I heard... That was my ACL. Bye-bye. So I just, I don't have one. I don't need it. I'm not dunking anymore. I'm not, I'm not going to the NBA, so. Um, but I have that, and then I have this cataract in my right eye. It's driving me insane. Right now, the lights are coming from this side, and they're hitting my cataract. And you ever put those glasses on when you look at lights and you see all these, ooh, really pretty things? That's what it's like right now as I'm looking at you in this eyeball. It's just, I feel frail, right? I, it's just, it's ridiculous what it's getting to be. We have loved ones who experience sickness. We have loved ones who have experienced crisis. We experience that in our own family with my son this year and the fear, the anticipation, what's going to happen with my mom She's had a lot of things, hard things happen in her life. I'm sure you have family members as well. Maybe you personally. 
just struggling with this jar of clay, right? I have a friend who, who she almost spent Christmas weekend in the hospital. She had to have some significant things looked at. She's only in her 20s. When I was 31, I had a doctor, I went to the hospital and I had a doctor say, hey, by the time you're 40, I'm going to have to do surgery and remove your colon. I was like, no, you're not. Nope. I mean, our bodies, they're just jars of clay. They're so fragile. God has put his treasure, though, inside of us to display his glory and power to a watching world. So he places the jar in jars of clay to show his power, but it also shows God's faithfulness. That's pretty cool. Look at verses 8 and 9. He says, we're afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, thrown to the mat, right, but not destroyed. And if, if, if we go to the beginning of 2 Corinthians 1, he says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength, we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. That's pretty low, isn't it? But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So look back at that list. Maybe you're afflicted. Okay, yeah, but, but not crushed. Maybe perplexed, trying to figure things out, but, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, hunted down, but not forsaken. Struck down, thrown to the mat, but not destroyed. You see, God gives us this treasure to display his power and to display his faithfulness. That's good for us, and that's good for a watching world. But he goes on. He also places this treasure in jars of clay to display the death of Jesus. That's interesting. So let's look at verse 10. He says, Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Wow. Now, we need to consider what Paul meant by death, okay? And here, here's what the commentator said. I'm just going to put it up on the screen so you can see it as I read it. Death here refers to Jesus' long journey through suffering right up to and including the cross. Paul is saying here that weakness and suffering are essential and enduring characteristics of following and serving Jesus. We need to wrap our minds around this, he said. God uses weak people to bring the light of the gospel to the world. You see, Paul's making a point here. We're going to go through life in this clay vessel, this thing made of dust. And he's like, you know, Jesus did the same thing. He became a man. He humbled himself. He walked this earth. He suffered he didn't have much. In fact, he was poor. He experienced hardship. He struggled. People wanted to kill him. People hated him. And Paul was like, Corinthians, Corinthians, I'm just, I'm just trying to follow Jesus. 
I'm just trying to be like Jesus. I'm not saying <laughs> put yourself in, you know, be poor and, you know, I'm not saying that. It's just it, he, he has to be willing to live the life that Jesus lived. See, the problem was there were these people in the church and people coming to the church to Corinth who were trying to push Paul out, okay? And we see that as we read these two books. They were trying to make Paul look bad. This is how they were trying to do it. They were saying things like, you know, Paul, if God was really pleased with Paul's ministry, he wouldn't be in so much pain. His life wouldn't be so hard. If God loves you, he will give you your best life now. And the Corinthian people, they believed it. And commentators think this is the beginnings of the first prosperity preachers. The first wellness and health preachers. Like, if you give your life to Jesus, everything is going to be perfect, right? And can I get an amen? Turn your life to Jesus and life is perfect? So these people would come. I call them these spiritual life coaches, these spiritual gurus. They'd come to the church with their slick presentations, their awesome PowerPoints. They would sweep in as the experts, you know. They would demand a green room with only blue M&Ms. They wanted LaCroix peach sparkling water and Jimmy John's beach clubs. And the people loved it. They loved it. That's how the people were in Corinth. They loved traveling, wise people, experts coming, and they just loved that environment, and they embraced it. They swallowed it, hook, line, and sinker. And these people were stealing money and living off the church. So they needed to get Paul out of the picture. Why? Because Paul was the complete opposite. Complete opposite. And Paul was like, wait a second. These people are nothing like Jesus. Think about it, Corinthians. I'm just trying to follow Jesus. We have this treasure of salvation. It's in jars of clay to display the power of God, to display God's faithfulness, to display the death of Jesus. But also, here's the next thing. It displays the life of Jesus. Pretty cool. Well, how does it do that? Well, Paul says here, let's look at it, 10 and 11, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Paul's like, we yield, we submit, we surrender, we die to ourselves. Let's look at some more verses Paul said. Uh, Philippians 4.13, he said, I can do all things through him, talking about Christ, who gives me strength. In Galatians 2.20, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I will by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, that's huge. That is so huge. God's treasure of salvation in jars of clay, displaying the power of God, displaying God's faithfulness, displaying the death of Jesus, and it displays, praise the Lord, the life of Jesus. Amen? But let's look at the third point. You're like, wait a second, that's more than three points. 
Well, you're right, but this is the third main point. Okay, God's treasure motivates believers to keep going. Look at verse 13. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak. Now, what Paul does here is he quotes something from Psalm 116, right? And so I want to go to Psalm 116 because it's very powerful. We're going to look at it super quick. This is what it says. First, before I read it. Paul is talking about this difficult time, right? He's talking about having this amazing treasure of salvation in jars of clay. He's experiencing this persecution. He's pressed. He's crushed. He's thrown to the ground, all these things. And so he, he remembers this psalm, and he's like, man, this guy wrote this song, and he completely gets me. Okay, listen to this. This is what he says. I love the Lord because he's heard my voice And my pleas for mercy. Because he inclined his ear to me. Therefore I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Doesn't it sound? Paul's like, yeah, this guy's just like me. He goes on. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed even when I spoke. That's what Paul quoted. Isn't that pretty cool? So let's go on in verse 13. I believed and so I spoke. And Paul says, we also believe and so we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake so that as grace extends to more and more people it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. What a motivation. Do you remember Philippians? Do you remember um, he says, what he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So we said, What's the worst thing that could happen to a believer? What's the worst thing? I was talking to someone this week. You know, I asked them, what's the worst thing that could happen to a believer? What, to die and instantly be with Jesus? That's pretty awesome. So that's the worst thing? Oh, okay, right? This motivated Paul, he's going to keep going. He's going to press on. He's not going to lose heart. God is faithful. God is his source of comfort. God has placed his treasure of salvation in Paul's weak, fragile body, and that motivated Paul. Praise the Lord. Amen. Here we go. Here's the next thing. 
God's treasure is reaching more and more people. That motivated Paul as well. He, he says that in verse 15. All of this is for your benefit. All these things that are happening to us. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving. God will receive more and more glory. Again, we need to think as we close out 2023 and go into 2024, we need to allow the great treasure of salvation to work in us. And we love Jesus and we love people and we begin to live it out. We serve people, we point people to Jesus, we follow Jesus. And you know what God says? The gospel will reach more and more people. But here's the next thing. God's treasure brings glory to himself. Let's finish out verse 15. All of this is for your benefit, and as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving, and God will receive more and more glory. Praise the Lord. God's salvation will reach more and more people as he shines the light of the gospel in the hearts of people. And you know what? God is so powerful, and the gospel is so powerful that even Satan can't stop it even though he's trying to blind people to it. Praise the Lord. That's how powerful, God's power is surpassing power. The gospel is his dynamite. It blows up the walls. But here's the final thing. God's treasure lasts forever. Verse 18. He says, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporary, they're transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. You see, salvation is eternal. The gift is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul is saying, it never wears out. It lasts forever. So, so how do we apply this? Well, if you're here tonight and you've been coming to our church for a while, or maybe you've been coming for the last couple of weeks, or even tonight is the first one, praise the Lord, we're glad you're here. I want to invite you to embrace salvation through faith in Christ. Repent. Turn from your sin, from doing life the way you think it should be done, and okay, whatever, God. Turn from that. Turn to God, right? And put your faith in Jesus' work on the cross, he died, was buried, and he came back to life. He lives now. He's waiting to come back for us. He says in Romans, confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, and you will be saved. Here's the next thing. If you're a believer tonight, we need to celebrate our salvation that we have through faith in Christ. Paul never got over it. Never. He just, whether it's having a journal and writing every day, God, I just want to thank you for this. I want to praise you for shining the light of the gospel in my heart and in my mind. I want to thank you for the people. That, I want to thank you for Mrs. Hafner who shared the gospel with me when I was five years old. 
Or maybe it, I want to thank, thank you for, for Shelly Doran who, who shared the gospel with me when I was in kindergarten or in the class. Or, man, I want to thank you for Rich Thompson and how he's pointing me to Jesus. Or just whoever it is, right? Take time to celebrate and give thanks for the salvation God has given you as we're winding down 2023 and as we're going through 2024. Here's another one. Maybe you need to take comfort and refuge in God's faithfulness. Maybe you feel like you've been punched in the gut in 2023. Maybe you feel like you've been struck down. You know that word struck down literally has the idea of like a wrestler taking you and throwing you to the ground. You feel like that this year? 2023, oh, gotcha, you know? Right? I mean, I've had those moments this year. It's been brutal at times. But just like Paul, praise the Lord, God came to the rescue. And if he hasn't yet, he will come to the rescue at some point. He's faithful. But take comfort and refuge in his faithfulness. And then here, the last one, man, we need to keep our eyes on the prize, don't we? This is the best way I can, I can picture it. We have a choice. Go ahead and show that picture there. As I was thinking about it, I was going through this message, I wanted to make sure that I emphasized the treasure. You see, sometimes when we come to this passage, the, the jars of clay get emphasized more than the treasure. It's easy to do that. Paul wanted the Corinthian believers to focus on the treasure. He himself wanted to focus on the treasure. You see, the Corinthian believers were so focused on the jar. Paul was weak. He wasn't like these other guys. God's treasure will help you and me process 2023. It will motivate and inspire us to go into 2024. Let's pray that we can do that, amen? Let's pray for something different this year. Let's hope for something amazing as we emphasize his treasure in these jars of clay.